So I'm just talking to you. All right, dear. Hello, I'm Nana. And if you enjoy listening to my sweethearts talk on this show, maybe tell a friend of yours. And maybe they can enjoy it, too. And if you would like to see this little show go a little bit further, maybe check out the Darlings Buy Me a Coffee account. All right. Okay, honey, you can go ahead with your flashlight thing now. Ladies, gentlemen, please take your seats. The spotlight is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. I'm Mystery Matt, and you're listening to the Mystery Matt Spotlight Podcast. This evening, we are continuing our Iceman coverage. I am joined by Kelly and Sarah, and I hope everybody's ready to rock and roll with this second part, uh, starting out season five. Kelly, take her away. Starting out with Mr. Big Rich. Big Richie. Big Dick. Big Dick. Um probably has a small one he i don't was, know he was a chubby guy and sometimes it does get lost in there well sometimes chubby guys have chubbies just saying i don't know just he's saying. got that that confident personality without like having to show off like but that's because he kills people yeah <laughs> he probably has a big dick <laughs> yeah oh man i was in this um near toronto the other day yesterday and went to the mall and there was this fucking guy driving like i don't know a sports car but it was making so much fucking noise that me and my friend were like what are you trying to prove like how small is your fucking dick that you need like he was literally like several blocks away and we could still hear him it was fucking nuts I'm going slow so like it wasn't even <laughs> <laughs> See, and those are the kind of guys that would have pissed off the Iceman and he would have just yeah. shot them. And where was the Iceman when I needed him, right? I believe Prison. you said he was dead. He, yeah, Prison. he's dead. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, this was two oh. days ago. Oh. Yesterday, sorry. That was like kind of like a, we saw that the other day. Like we were up at, were we at your work? And somebody drove by with one of those big muffler things. Fucking and stupid. And I'm like, small dick, small yeah. dick. <laughs> yeah, and he was making those putt putt noises you were making. Yeah, I don't know how good that was, but it was pretty good. Oh, it was very entertaining. <laughs> oh yeah, it could be the wine, but it, it was could be the wine. Sarah's trying to get me liquored up. Oh yeah, so I liquored. loosen up a little bit. Liquor, <laughs> liquored up. All right, let's get back on track. Come on, it's fun. It's the little conversations that are fun. You're the little conversations that are fun because <laughs> you're short. Get it? Okay, okay. so. Where we last left off in the first episode was Kuklinski was arrested. Just call me Iceman. That's easier. Yeah. Kuklinski. Big dick. Little dick. Little dick. Big Rick. Yeah. Know. Big rich. <laughs> big rich. Little dick. Oh, come on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So he was arrested uh, at a roadblock and his wife was also charged with disorderly conduct. Because she stepped um, in like a dummy. Mm-hmm. But we're going to jump right into the trial, I think, okay? Yeah, let's do that. That sounds dirty. Oh. Is yes. there any information about the interrogations with him? Like, how the process of that? Or no? Um, 
Why are you doing? Why are you trying to call me out? Yeah, what are you doing? Here? I just didn't know because I mean sometimes the the interrogation process is actually quite interesting. Not too much about the interrogation, but uh, interviews later on. Okay, so they they probably like the police probably kept that yeah pretty quiet. DL. I think. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they do that. Sometimes they don't. <clears throat> so I'm just curious. I was just curious. Yeah, I wasn't trying to call you. Sarah's just... trying to call me out. No, I was not. Okay, um, so prosecutors charged Kuklinski with five murder counts and six wow. weapons violations, as well as attempted murder, robbery, and attempted robbery. Law enforcement officials said Kuklinski had large sums of money in a Swiss bank account and a reservation on a flight to that country. Kuklinski was held on a $2 million bail bond and made to surrender his passport. After the arrest, uh, the Iceman told reporters that this is unwarranted, unnecessary, and these guys watch too many movies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See? Yeah. I think he, he's got a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> At a press conference, uh, New Jersey State Attorney General, Attorney General uh, Carrie Edwards, characterized the motive for the murderers as profit and said he set individuals up for business deals. They disappeared and the money still somehow ended up in his hands. At trial... Kuklinski's former associates, including Percy House and Barbara Deppner, gave evidence against him, as did ATF Special Agent Polifron. The case was prosecuted by Deputy Attorney General Robert Carroll while Kuklinski, while Kuklinski was represented by a public defender. Kuklinski's lawyer argued that he had no history of violence and only projected a quote-unquote tough image, including his statements to ATF Special Agent Polifron. The defense theorized Deppner was responsible for the murder of Smith, and there was no cause of death determined for Deppner. Additionally, he argued the testimony of House and Barbara Deppner was unreliable because they lied to law enforcement officials, and House received immunity from prosecution. In March 1988, jurors found Kuklinski guilty of murdering Smith and Deppner, but found the deaths were not proven to be by Kuklinski's conduct, meaning he would not serve the death penalty. Uh. He was then sentenced to a minimum of 60 years in prison. After the trial, Kuklinski pled guilty to killing Maske and Malabans, um, and he was sentenced to an additional two life sentences to be served consecutively. St go ahead oh i was gonna, like i find it weird that a man who's got so much money yeah he went with a public defender mm. that could have been his big downfall in a roundabout way because public defenders don't really care yeah you know they, they're there because you have the right for counsel right i find it surprising that he didn't hire some top-notch defense attorneys i don't know and like obviously he was hiding that money for some reason right so was that before or after he declared bankruptcy long before mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was before uh, state prosecutors explained if he would spend the rest of his life in prison if he had successful appeals to his previous convictions. Kuklinski also confessed to killing Hoffman, but prosecutors decided to not go to trial as they had a weak case and additional life sentences would not have impacted Kuklinski's prison stay at all. As part of his plea bargain, the firearm charge against his wife and an unrelated marijuana possession charge against his son were dismissed. 
Kuklinski was ineligible for parole until 2046, when he would have been 111 years old. Oh, nice. Yep. Uh, isn't that, <laughs> uh, is that two consecutive life yes. sentences? Yes, yeah. two consecutive. Were you going to say something? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure even if he was that age, they would still deny him. Yeah, probably. You know, like, <laughs> but then again. And it's not uncommon for prosecutors to not prosecute when they're suspect or they're the person who they're prosecuting is already serving life sentences it not only um saves them the time it saves the county in the in the state money Mm -hmm. um plus like you said you can't get any more out of them they're already serving two or three life sentences so it's not uncommon yep i mean the only reason i would say doing for any purpose would be moral reason to um help the family get justice for their loved one and there doesn't seem to be much family for the victims, at least not, you know, in the spotlight regarding mm-hmm. it. Because they're not, I don't hear anything about them testi- testifying well, it sounds on their behalf. like mo- majority of them are criminals as well. Yeah. Right? Like, so, so, they, so why would they, right? So. <clears throat> yeah. I. Yeah. It's one but, of those things. Like, I don't want to say that their lives were less important because they weren't. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're a career criminal, there's probably less people that care about you. And they're, and they're or willing to go to bat for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And they probably don't want them to. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. They'd probably be like, you know what? Don't don't worry about don't it. Don't worry. Don't don't speak for me. Don't put yourself in that position. It's just it's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, a lot of the times it's very common for them not to prosecute every single victim. Mm-hmm. So he was incarcerated at the Trenton State Prison. Um. In 2003, while he was imprisoned, he entered a guilty plea to the 1980 murder of Peter Calibro, who was a New York City police detective, and he received an additional 30-year sentence on top. Wow. I'm actually surprised he didn't get the death sentence for that, because that's a cop, and it's automatic death Mm -hmm. sentence. I guess maybe because it didn't make a difference. (laughs) Like, I mean, it didn't make a difference in the fact that he's going to die in prison regardless. Yeah, He never got a death sentence? No. No. Huh. Okay, um, so while he was imprisoned, um, and still alive, obviously, because he's dead now, thank goodness, uh, he gave numerous interviews to different psychiatrists, criminologists, writers, and journalists. Uh, according to his daughter, Merrick, her mother convinced Richard to do the interviews, and she was paid, quote-unquote, handsomely for them. In the last installment, The Iceman and the Psychiatrist... Kuklinski was interviewed by renowned forensic psychiatrist Dr. Park Dietz in 2002. Oh, he's so good. Mm. I love him. He's he's so good. He knows his shit. Yes, he does. Dietz stated he believed Kuklinski suffered from antisocial personality disorder plus paranoid personality disorder. Writers Anthony Bruno and Philip Carlo wrote biographies of Kuklinski, and Kuklinski's wife received a share of the profits from the Bruno book. He told all of these different people that were interviewing him the story of his life, and he gave detailed information on how and why he committed dozens of murders. Again, as I said in the last episode, he admitted killing anywhere from 100 to 200 victims in gruesome fashion. In his later interviews, he gave claim to have killed increasing numbers of victims, many related to organized crime. Investigators deem these assertions as dubious, and none of the more recent claims have been able to be corroborated. So that's why he was only charged for those five. 
Did, does he strike you, though? Because you've, you've obviously watched a lot more documentaries and you know more about him than I do. But does he strike you as somebody who would admit to something that he didn't do? I think it's interesting that, like, throughout the years of the interviews he was giving, that the number kept changing, you know? So, because and then because of the personality disorders he was suspected of, I guess, I... It makes me wonder if he had like some grandiose ideas that kind of distorted that. Kind of like Henry Lee Lucas, who <clears throat> would yeah. basically, oh, I murdered that person. And then yeah. they'd be like, oh, he looks really good for it. Mm-hmm. But then they would find out he was nowhere near it. Yeah, exactly. And it makes you wonder, like, it's not uncommon either for these kind of people to claim they've done this murder, they've done that murder. Yeah. Um, I don't see him being, the t- like, yeah, the grand grandiose or whatever the grand, I can't say the word, it's like variety. Grandiose? Yeah. I can't see him being the type of person who would want that. Mm. But at the same time, it's the whole my penis is bigger than your penis thing. Yeah, but if you think about it, if you're already going down for five murders, right? The more you add to that total, the more famous you'll be in history. Yeah, that might be true for actual serial killers. (laughs) But he's not an actual serial killer. He's completely different. um, Like top, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Subject. Um, and it's not like he's getting a death sentence because a lot of the times they do this for, to, um, extend their time and, and to push their death sentence further ahead, Mm -hmm. like later and later and later. Ted Bundy did it. He tried to do that. Um, but he doesn't have that death sentence. So there was really no purpose for him to say, oh, I did this and I did that and I did this. Without a reason behind it, so that's why I'm just wondering if it's if for people. I think it's like just know. the intention, to, or sorry, the attention that yeah. he was getting too, right? Like maybe all these people, it? yeah, maybe, maybe I after don't know. he got caught and he had this attention, he liked it, so he decided, yeah. hey, that's the only drug I can get. I think I definitely think he killed more people than he was charged for, one hundred percent. I don't know if he killed two hundred people. Mm-hmm. I don't really think so. I think that would be a, a definitely an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Maybe over 100, but maybe not quite 200. Yeah. yeah. Just, and like I said, because the number kept changing, like, I would probably take the first couple if it was around the same. It could be just a memory issue, too. Like, could be. As you get yeah. older, your memory changes and your perspective on Who things knows? that you may have done changes. It's like, oh, maybe I was involved in this. Oh, so I'll just say, yeah. So that's a number, or this is a number, or whatever. And if he did truly work for the mafia, maybe he's trying to take... Like, credit for other murders so other people aren't going down for those. Yeah. Like, who knows? And also, could be maybe so many the different... fact that maybe because he worked for the mafia, maybe he's downplaying the actual number. It could be, too. I you don't know, know. You don't know. Like, you never know. know. So, yeah. it's That's kind of why he's an interesting topic, it's too, just the, right? It's because just the, he's uh, so different from anything else we've yeah. done. I mean, if he's downplaying the number, it would make it... It would make sense because he would forget what the numbers he said in the past. He's done mm-hmm. so many interviews. He's done so many psych evaluations it and he's getting old and he's getting yeah. older so yeah it would be harder to keep the number straight but I, I i honestly if it's mafia if he did a lot of kills for mafia and the mob and stuff i would not be surprised that the number was actually higher than 200 so Who knows? anyways that was uh i wanted to just point out i thought it was a good point that you made about um him not being a serial killer and just wanted to kind of open that up for a little bit of discussion, like what, why you think that? Um, partially because um, you can't get a profile on this guy. Mm-hmm. You can't. There's no way to profile him. 
Um, but he also shows signs of love towards others, especially his family. He valued his family. If I'm not mistaken, he was very protective of his family mm. uh, and never mixed his business with his family life, which shows that he was able to separate the two. And it showed that he was able to um, do it for the right reasons. He knew that if he had his family involved or people knew about his family, they would become targets. And to me, that shows a sign of um, care and love. And despite the fact that he could be bad rich, um, I think that he he was capable of love. He loved his family. He loved his kids. He did everything for them. A, 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 a sociopathic serial killer who had a family as a beard like might not sit up with their sick baby daughter all night. You know, only somebody who cares. Mm-hmm. And sociopathic and serial killers and stuff like that are naturally incapable of feeling for other people. They cannot. Mm-hmm. They can pretend to, and it can be a facade, but I think... Um, um, Richard couldn't, it wasn't a facade for him because he, I mean, he cared about his family. He cared what happened to them and he tried to keep them separate from his business at any means possible. Matt, so, what do you think? One second. I'm just fixing the levels and such. Cut me off guard. Sarah's either talking too quiet or too loud. We can't figure <laughs> out where we're going. Um... Okay, what do I think about what? Sorry, I was distracted. What do you think about what Sarah said about him not being a serial killer? To me, being a hitman, you kind of have to have almost the same kind of mentality as... Well, I wouldn't know. I I don't even think I want to go that far. You you have to... For example, if you're going to be like a mortician, Mm -hmm. not everybody can do that. That takes a special kind of someone to do that. Uh, my dad and my sister actually were thinking about doing it, but never followed through. But I think the same thing would go for a hitman. Not everybody could do that. Whereas I think he made a choice to do that as an outlet maybe for his anger, but also usually serial killers have like more of a mental defect instead of just like a good rich bad rich kind of thing right um they fixate on things they keep trophies things like that and because he didn't he just kind of took the money and left i think he falls into a different category okay at least a little bit uh is he a serial killer because of how many he's killed yeah yeah in that respect he has for sure you know if not beaten a lot of serial killers but that also would cause that gap again, right? Where, well, serial killers only kill like, you know, five people at most before they get killed. If this guy actually killed 200 plus people or whatever. I think that's a very good point. Like, serial killers get sloppy, right? You can yeah. tell that this is a business because with the murders and the way he disposed of the bodies, I don't think it was very sloppy. Like, sure, there were some things that led to him getting caught, but it was mo- mostly because... There was a undercover detective there that he was talking to, and like I think in some way though he had to have gotten sloppy just because of the um he if he had kept on the track that he was going with focusing more on the cyanide poisonings mm-hmm. and not making it so obvious that they were murdered, I think he did get sloppy at at near the end right with those last five victims for sure mm-hmm. um but the other thing that keeps him different from serial killers is that serial killers 
kill for sexual gratification, even if there's no evidence of a sexual assault or molestation or rape or anything like that. There is a certain sexual gratification that comes with strangling or stabbing, especially stabbing, um, than it does with just killing for profit. And that's the thing. Serial killers don't kill for profit. They take trophies to remember what they did because it made them feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Richard Kuklinski... Their their trophies are their profit. Yeah, but it's not the same. Like, he's trying to make money. It's like you said, it's his business. And that money is business money. It's not, hey, I'm getting rich. Every time I spend this $50 bill, I'm going to think of um, what's his face. You know, like, it's not the same. He's not remembering. He's not trying to relive the crimes to get off. Like... Ted Bundy or um, BTK or Ed- Edmund Kemper, you know. Well, like, what about the fact that he was keeping all of the money offshore? Again, that's that's business, right? Is it he, though? No, because yeah. he doesn't want tax. That's doesn't taxes. Do you think that's the only reason? Yeah. Hiding it from the tax. Okay. The, the amount of money he would have, mm-hmm. w- he would just be destroyed tax-wise. And that's probably part of why he went bankrupt. One, it's all dirty money. And yeah. two, <laughs> taxes. Yeah. Think about this. Him not hiding the money? What was Al Capone's biggest downfall? The IRS. That's what fucked Al Capone. So by hiding this money offshore, he's mm-hmm. hiding it from the IRS, which would put him in prison and would probably unveil all of his crimes. So he was trying to hide both so that he wasn't the next Al Capone. Mm. So it, it's a two it's a two different things. It's it's a that's a great question though, like what mm-hmm. separates him from that or what separates contract killers in general from serial killers. And as Matt said earlier off, Mike, it's that he just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> There's nothing there. He's mm-hmm. cold. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't have any remorse. I'm not saying that serial killers do, but there has been some serial killers that have shown a, at least a modicum of remorse. Yeah. It would be more appropriate to call him the Iceman because of his lack of give a shit <laughs> than it would be for how many times he's put a dude in a freezer. <laughs> That's what I thought of. Yeah, and and actually, so did I, to be honest. Um, We're at 21 minutes. Take it away. Sounds good. Okay, so as we said, he claimed to work as a hitman for the mafia, uh, which included the disappearance and presumed murder of Teamsters president Jimmy Hoffa, which we'll get into more a little bit later. Oh, Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, that could get good. Um. His interviews and statements resulted in three different TV documentaries, if anyone's interested in looking at them after. Uh, the Iceman Tapes, Conversations with a Killer from 1992. That's one I watched. Okay, cool. The Iceman Confesses, Secrets of a Mafia Hitman from 2001. The Iceman and the Psychiatrist from 2003. There were also two biographies which was The Iceman, The True Story of a Cold-Blooded Killer from 1993, which we talked about earlier, by Anthony Bruno, and The Iceman, Confessions of a Mafia Contract Killer from 2006 by Philip Carlo. Can you send me links to these Absolutely. so I can post them sure. on the Mystery Matt Facebook fan club page? Yeah, go give it a follow, yeah. like. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll post links and stuff. There's also an Instagram. Yeah. Check that out. Um, I will post everything on there, and I will even... Do some stuff for Kelly. I will, for social media, I will go and get pictures and stuff. Cool. So people can put a name to the face. Because that's part of the reason why I did watch a documentary. So I you needed could, a name. Yeah. I needed a face to the name. Yeah. But like Matt said, I thought he was called the Iceman. Yeah, honestly. He was just a cold-blooded Like, dick. when I first heard of the Iceman, I pictured him as like a, 
like tall, dark haired guy, like moderately attractive. And then you see a picture of him. Guy is like You didn't expect him to no, look like a guy who he's plays like Santa a frog. He looks like a frog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought he looked like a meathead. Because he was he was a big guy. He's like, a big he looked dude. Like a big guy. Yeah. But I also pictured him, and this is bad. I pictured him as an Italian mob boss. Yeah, me too. Me so, too. But I like mean, tall, dark, and handsome, like totally, that stereotype. Yeah, we t- we totally stereotyped him. So yeah, yeah. I, I needed the name, and I didn't even know his name was Richard Kuklinski until oh. I, until I watched. I just knew him okay. as the Iceman. Interesting. And I'm thinking, oh, mob mob boss. He's either Irish or mm-hmm. he's freaking italian? italian no and well he's oh, irish he but he's polish him, but yeah <laughs> he's mostly but you can see, see by looking at him he's got more of the polish features yes yeah um there was also a motion picture called the Iceman from 2012 i think Win- winona riders in it the one i watched and it sucked oh uh, it was not i haven't seen it to the one to the one okay so according to sarah don't watch it <laughs> it was i just found because i watched the documentary once i watched one documentary as promised <laughs> and then i watched that movie so you see we're just finding out more information you just but keep lying to me anything she she just keep lying she keep cheating so bad i know so what bad. the hell just because you didn't make notes doesn't mean you didn't make mental notes. I don't have very mental, men- very many mental notes. You know how many crimes I've already researched since I've watched these things? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I watched it, and I watched it directly after I watched the documentary, and I'm so, like, this you know is not accurate at all. You know what's interesting is in that movie, they supposedly um, used the first TV doc, the Iceman Tapes Conversations with the Killer from 1992 that you watched. Mm-hmm. And the first biography, The Iceman, The True Story of a Cold-Blooded Killer from 1993 by Anthony Bruno as the basis of the movie. So I haven't seen it, but I thought it would be pretty accurate. I think I found it on Netflix. Oh, interesting. It's either Netflix or Prime. I'm not 100% sure. I will look it up for people. Okay. You guys yeah, can definitely be the share judge. that info. Yeah. But I found it not accurate. Well, that's just Prime. Ha. <laughs> uh-huh. Funny. Okay, um, so as I mentioned, there were several other killings that were alluded to and that he talked about um, during his later interviews, but uh, he claimed to have killed over 100 people, um, and he alleged he used multiple ways to kill people, including a crossbow, an ice pick, which could also ice man, a bomb attached to a remote-controlled toy, Oh, neat. Firearms, grenades, as well as uh, cyanide. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As well as cyanide solution spray he considered to be his favorite. You say grenades and he looks like a happy puppy getting a bone. Why why do you like... So, so (laughs) I got a gentleman that comes into the store and uh, he's with the military, right? And he always says, you know, when I win the lottery, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, you're with the military. You think they'd let us use the tank? And he's like, I don't know. We could try. <laughs> so then that's been the thing ever since. He's like, yeah, I'll see you next Friday. I'm like, either that or we're going to be in a tank blowing shit up. <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah. Have you guys ever watched Boom. The Boys? No, but apparently my husband has a fixation of blowing I, things I up. I guess. I guess. Makes me a little worried. The Boys no. is Is that the such, superhero one? It's so good. It's so I, gross. I just started watching it. I saw the one when he went into his boyfriend's pee-pee and then he sneezed and that wasn't... I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that's season two something. Or okay, season, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, There's... <laughs> Sarah, I've only watched t- the ew. first two episodes, oh, no. but literally the first like ten minutes... Maybe I shouldn't say this on air, yeah, well, but... Pr- 
maybe I don't know. Spoiler alert! Spoiler, Spoiler alert! alert. If you have the boys, boys, just skip go the away. next few seconds. Go away for a minute. A minute. Um. So in the first like ten minutes of the show, this girl just absolutely gets exploded by a guy running through her because he has superhuman speed. Like the Flash? She, yeah, he's kind of like the Flash. But what, what the boys does is it takes all these ideas like, of superpowers and makes it real. Yeah. Like the Flash isn't so going to just zing down the street and not hit anything. Yeah. So this this guy's holding his girlfriend's hands like this, like with both of his hands directly in front of him, her hands and his. And she, all of a sudden, there's just blood and guts all over him. And he's like, what the fuck just happened? And the superhero guy like stops and is like, I'm sorry, I can't stop. Got to keep going. And the guy is still holding his girlfriend's hands and they're ripped away from her body. The rest of her body is just exploded all over the ground. Oh, yeah. The show is so freaking boring. <laughs> episode not two, to oh, they blow up a guy by putting a bomb up his butt. I'm not even joking. Yeah. But anyways, okay. That's it. That's it for that, spoilers. Hang on. That gives a new meaning to explosive diarrhea. <laughs> that's it for spoilers. <laughs> Done. No more. No okay, more spoilers. Back. Okay. To anyways, if you guys have never watched The Boys, highly recommend. It's super good. Um, I've just been watching it, but yeah. <laughs> um, so jumping back in, he now for something completely different. <laughs> Not really, a little different. But there's a penguin on the telly. Huh? <laughs> you, you wouldn't get it. I'll tell you when you're older. Oh, okay. Mo- Monty Python. Oh, I've I've seen Monty Python some of them. There's a penguin on the telly. I don't get that reference. Okay. Don't worry about. It. Um, so as I mentioned in the last episode, he had previously said that he committed his first murder when he was like a teenager right after he dropped out of school. Um, that was at the age of 14 and he murdered homeless people for practice like it was a game. Well, you know, some people go to college, some people go to hobo encampments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. What? In 2006, Paul Smith, a member of the task force involved in arresting Kuklinski and later a supervisor of the organized crime division of the New Jersey Attorney General's office, said, I checked uh, every one of the murders Kuklinski said he committed and not one was true. Oh, really? That's what he said. He added, authorities throughout the country could not corroborate one case based on the tidbits Kuklinski gave. In 2020, Dominic Polifrone said, I don't believe he killed 200 people. I don't believe he killed 100 people. I'll go as high as 15, maybe. Interesting, eh? Well, that kind of answers my last, that one question Mm -hmm. I had about whether or not he was just glorifying the number or downplaying the number. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they have more insight, but the, I don't know. It's They certainly like to leave people leaving, like, with their own imaginations. Yeah. And it can run away with you. Whether you're a television producer or news reporter or any kind of media outlet, including us podcasters, you know, it makes you, like, think, am I reporting the truth? No matter how much you're trying to. Mm-hmm. But by you bringing that up with the um, them looking into the murders that he proclaimed he had committed, you know, obviously there's some truth to what they're saying and they have no proof to what he's saying they have nothing to collaborate anything that he's saying mm. which you know kinda... I, st- I still personally think maybe it's higher higher than that but yeah. um i definitely don't think 200 no but... maybe not now not now no i've changed my stance <laughs> changing your opinion yep. 
Uh, Kuklinski also alleged he was a mafia contract killer independently working for all of the five families of New York City, as well as the, we're going to try and say this again, the the Cavalcante family of New Jersey. He claimed he carried out dozens of murders on behalf of Gambino soldier Roy DeMeo. He said he was one of the murders of the Bonanno family boss, Carmine Galante, in July 1979. One of. One of. And Gambino family boss, uh, Paul Castellano, in December of 1985. For the Castellano murder, Kuklinski said he was personally recruited by John Gotti ally, Sammy Gravano, who instructed him to kill Castellano's driver and bodyguard, Thomas Bellotti. Yeah, I got a yeah. question. Isn't Gotti actually a Canadian hitman? Aren't they re- Aren't they connected to I don't know, actually. some of our mob bosses? I'm just curious because I thought I've heard that name before and I thought for some reason it was also connected to here. Um, he told Philip Carlo he was hired by John Gotti to kidnap, torture, and murder John Favara, the man who accidentally killed Gotti's 12 year old son Frank after hitting him with his car. Whoops. However, Kuklinski's alleged involvement in mafia hits has been disputed by other authorities. According to Jerry Capecci, Philip Carlo claims the Iceman killed Paul Castellano, Carmine Galante, and Jimmy Hoffa, along with Roy DeMeo and about 200 others. Come on. Do you believe that? I don't know anyone who believes that. No one. After he became a government witness in 1990, Sammy Gravano admitted to planning the murder of Castellano and Bellotti, but said the shooters were all members of John Gotti's crew and were chosen by Gotti, he did not mention Kuklinski at all. Anthony Bruno felt Kuklinski's participation in the killing of Castellano was highly unlikely, but Bruno noted in the 1986 Anthony Indelicato was convicted of Galante's murder, and Kuklinski was not mentioned during the trial. Kuklinski biographer Philip Carlo also acknowledged that Kuklinski's claim to have been involved in Galante's murder was untrue. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that ever again. (laughs) Former Colombo family capo uh, Michael Franzese called Kuklinski a pathological liar and said, I spent 25 years in that life on the street. I never heard his name mentioned once. Not once. Wow. Isn't that the point? I guess. To hiding in the shadows and being a hitman, you don't want your name out there. Like, that's my opinion. (laughs) So, the Iceman claimed that he dumped bodies in caves in Bucks County in Pennsylvania and fed a victim to rats in the caves. However, in 2013, the Philadelphia Inquirer noted the caves have had a lot of visitors since Kuklinski's time and no human remains have ever been discovered. Local cave enthusiast Richard Kranzel also queried the idea of flesh-eating rats, saying, The only rats I encountered in caves are cave rats. They are reclusive and shy creatures and definitely not fierce, as the Iceman claims. <coughs> Law enforcement officers also doubt he stored a co- corpse for two years in a Mr. Softy truck, which is an ice cream truck. <laughs> Can you imagine? Ew. I know. Awful. This ice cream tastes bloody bad. <laughs> Why do you have that 
accent. Because it was the first one that came bloody out. Bloody bad. <laughs> I wanted to say bloody and it sounded like it should be a British thing. Okay. Um, so to go into m- some more of his alleged <laughs> murders. In interviews and documentaries, Kuklinski says he killed Robert Prongay, who was a mentor to him. Prongay was murdered in 1984, shot multiple times in the head, and was subsequently discovered in his Mr. Softy ice cream truck. Robbery was not considered a motive at the time. Uh, Prongay had been about to go on trial for blowing up the front door of his ex-wife's house. Uh, uh. Kuklinski says that Prongay taught him how to use cyanide and other methods to kill, and it was Prongay who told him to freeze the body of Maskey from the first episode that we talked about. Kuklinski says he killed Prange after he threatened his family. And law enforcement officials have considered Kuklinski a prime suspect in the murder since 1986, but the director of the New Jersey Division of Criminal Justice said no charges were sought because Kuklinski was convicted of other crimes. In 1993, in response to his claims, Hudson County prosecutors said new charges against Kuklinski were possible since the Prongay murder was still an open investigation and they would assess whether there was enough evidence to prosecute him. Ultimately, no charges were brought against Kuklinski for the Prongay murder. Roy DeMeo, as we talked a little bit about earlier. So, the Iceman claimed he killed the Gambino crime family member Roy DeMeo in an interview for the 1993 book The Iceman, The True Story of a Cold-Blooded Killer by Anthony Bruno. He described DeMeo as a mentor of his, but after he fell behind on a loan to distribute pornography, he received a beating. The two later became business partners. Kuklinski says DeMeo taught him how to murder for hire, sorry, taught him how murder for hire could be a way to make money. However, author Jerry Capecci, who has written extensively about DeMeo and the Mafia, doubts Kuklinski killed DeMeo or had close ties to the DeMeo crew. Most sources indicate DeMeo was killed by members of his crew, with no suggestion that Kuklinski was involved. Kuklinski is not mentioned in Capecci and Jean Mustaine's book about the DeMeo crew, Murder Machine, or Albert DeMeo's account of his father's life in the mob for the sins of my father. Oddly enough, you know that movie I said was horrible? That's what it's focused on. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Philip Carlo, whose biography of Kuklinski indicates the claim that he killed DeMeo, acknowledged in the postscript to a later edition that his claim was probably untrue. The murder of Peter Calibro. Um, in his 2001 HBO interview, Kuklinski confessed to killing New York City police uh, officer Peter Calibro who was ambushed and shot dead by an unknown gunman on March 14, 1980. Calibro was rumored to have mob connections and was investigated for selling confidential information to the Cambino family. His wife, Carmela, drowned under mysterious circumstances three years earlier, and members of her family believed Calibro was responsible. At the time, his murder was thought by law enforcement officials to be revenge either carried out or arranged by his deceased deceased wife's relatives. Her brothers were looked as key suspects, but the crime remained unsolved. 
The Bergen County prosecutor believed Kuklinski's confession to be a fabrication, but his successor decided to proceed with the case. In February 2003, Kuklinski was charged with Calibro's murder and received another sentence of 30 years. This was considered a waste because it was during multiple life sentences, plus he would be ineligible for parole until he was over the age of 100. Describing the murder, Kuklinski said he parked his van on the side of a narrow road, forcing other drivers to slow to pass. He lay in a snowbank behind his van until Calibro came by at around 2 a.m., he stepped out and shot him in the head with a sawed-off shotgun, decapitating Calibro. He stated he was unaware that Calibro was a police officer, but said he probably would have still murdered him, <laughs> regardless. Uh, he claims he was paid to kill Calibro by the Gambino crime family, soldier, and later underboss, Sammy the Bull Gravano. <laughs> Fuck, I hate these nicknames. <laughs> And the bull provided the murder weapon. Gravano, serving a 20-year sentence in Arizona for drugs, was also indicted for the murder. Kuklinski was set to testify against him. Gravano denied any involvement in the Calibro death and rejected a plea bargain under which he would receive no additional jail time if he confessed to the crime and informed on all of his accomplices. The charges against Gravano were dropped after Kuklinski's death in 2006. Now, the one that everybody wants to hear about, Jimmy Hoffa. In his 2001 HBO interview, Secrets of a Mafia Hitman, uh, Kuklinski said he knew who killed former Teamsters Union president Jimmy Hoffa. Kuklinski did not claim any personal involvement in the Hoffa's disappearance and presumed murder and did not identify any culprit. However, later on, he just claimed that he killed Hoffa. In the account, Kuklinski was part of a four-man kidnap team. They grabbed Hoffa in Detroit, and while they were in the car, Kuklinski killed Hoffa by stabbing him with a large hunting knife. He said he drove Hoffa's corpse from Detroit to a New Jersey junkyard. It was placed in a drum and set on fire, then buried in the junkyard. Or junkyard. What is a drunkyard? <laughs> what am I talking about? I don't know. It's no probably because I am drunk. <laughs> it wasn't even a full glass. I'm a little it's feeling good. Here. Easy. Huh. Jimmy Hoffa, huh? It was uh placed in a drum and set on fire, then buried in the junkyard. Later on, fearing that an accomplice might snitch, the drum was disentered disentered, placed in the trunk of a car and compacted into a cube. It was sold, along with hundreds of other compacted cars as scrap metal. It was shipped off to Japan to be used in making new cars. Yummy. <laughs> Deputy Chief Bob Buccino, who worked on the Kuklinski case, said they took a body from Detroit, where they have one of the biggest lakes in the world, and drove it all the way back to New Jersey. Come on. Buccino added, we didn't believe a lot of things he said. Former FBI Special Agent Robert Garrity stated Kuklinski's admission to killing Hoffa was a hoax and that Kuklinski was never a suspect in Hoffa's disappearance, adding, I never heard of him. Anthony Bruno said he investigated Kuklinski's alleged involvement in the Hoffa disappearance, but felt his story didn't check out. Well, there you have it. He opined Kuklinski made the confession to add extra value to his brand, 
And so he admitted the story from his biography of Ku Klux Klan. So the Iceman has a brand? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I guess it's marketable when you're when you got a cool Oh yeah, cool. Of course name it's marketable. Like you that. get you can look at all the biographies and yeah. documentaries yeah. and stuff that came from Again, it his goes with brand. the notoriety of the nickname. And that's what I mean. If you're already getting a name and making money off of it, you want to keep those stories going. Did you actually do that? Did you do this? And that just makes more interviews, more money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason they kept him alive and didn't give him the death penalty was because they were probably getting a cut of the money for letting them come in and interview him all the time. Oh, probably. So, like... (laughs) Yeah, keep him there. He's a moneymaker. Yeah, sure. and, I, and I think the reason they prosecuted him for the murder of the police officer is because he's a police officer. Mm. There has to be an answer. There has to be um, some kind of conviction. It can't just go unsolved. Mm-hmm. So, because they just don't. But I do find it weird that he didn't get the death penalty for that. Even though he probably would never have actually followed through with the death yeah, penalty. He yeah. would have been dead before then. All right. Awesome sauce. Oh, well, I got one we're, last. Yeah, meal. that's fine. We're at uh, 45 minutes, give Perfect. or take. We're just about done here. So in October of 2005, after nearly 18 years in prison, Kuklinski was diagnosed with Kawasaki disease, which is an inflammation of the blood vessels, if you don't know what that is. I didn't. He was transferred to a secure wing at St. Francis Medical Center in Trenton, New Jersey. Although he had asked doctors to make sure they revived him if he developed um, a risk for heart attack, his then former wife, Barbara, has signed a DNR, do not resuscitate order. A week before his death, the hospital called Barbara to ask if she wished to rescind the instruction, but she declined. Kuklinski died at the age of 70 on March 5th of 2006, and at the request of the Kuklinski family, they noted forensic pathologist Michael Baden reviewed his autopsy report. Baden confirmed that Kuklinski died of cardiac arrest and had been suffering with heart disease and phlebitis, which I think is just swelling. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like. But the heart attack would have done it. Yep. He was also, like we mentioned earlier, a big guy, so. And that's, that a- that's Richard Kuklinski, the Iceman, big rich, big richie. Big nice. dick. Anything to add, sir? I find it funny that he didn't. Wa- he wanted to be resuscitated. To me, that says that he was a fear. Of, he had a fear of dying. Mm. You know. So. I think it's funny that his wife signed a DNR. <laughs> I'm actually because... surprised they allowed it because she was an ex. Yes, but she was probably still his next like of next kin. of kin. Yeah, maybe um, power of attorney still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's interesting because it was probably payback after all those years. Yeah. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, it's like no, screw you. Yep. You you don't deserve to be here. You took how many? You know, mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. Well, that's everything. That's I think that's it. Awesome. Hope everybody enjoyed. Yes. So this has been part two of the Iceman coverage with Kelly and Sarah. Uh, Next week, we are getting straight into the all-October Halloween podcast stuff, and we got some spooky stuff going on. We uh, not only have Peter still on our cast, who is our resident medium, but we also added Nancy, who is going to be our now resident psychic. So, 
Did I get it backwards? All right, well, it's the other way around then. I'm not repeating it. So, <laughs> yeah, so the other way around. And, uh, yeah, who knows what other surprises we'll find during Halloween. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next week, guys. Take it easy.